gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. So what uh what is this place anyway? Is this some type of fancy DMV? Are you kidding? It's the Hall of Justice. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Welcome to the Hall of Justice. Thanks so much for the support of the podcast. Thank you for all the feedback that I've been getting. It's been really rewarding. Last week, how great was Paul Sung Young Lee? The update on the strike, there's been very little progress, although I have to say I went to the picket line and I met a lot of nice people. I'm not going to say it was a great time because I know how bad the situation is, but uh, some people were very kind. And what SAG-AFTRA is telling me now is that they want to put someone on this podcast from the acting world uh, to talk about the issues. And I thought that was really cool and very nice gesture, and I'm going to hope to do that as well. We have a really cool guest this week. Kenneth Louis has worked on visual effects for such films as Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Iron Man 3. And he recently directed his own venture, an independent film called Artists in Agony, which I saw I didn't see it before I spoke to him, but I have seen since, and it's really, really fun. You can see it on Tubi. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But we have a special treat on the podcast, something new, something that we're trying. A lot of people have asked me, why don't we do podcasts on video games? And video games are adjacent to the genre that we cover. Uh, I play video games. Uh, a lot of the games I play are sports games. Uh, but I like video games, and a company reached out to me, and they have a game that kind of fits the model of the Hall of Justice podcast because it's called Arcade Geddon, and it's one of those role-player games, but you have to go into an arcade, and you have to play arcade games to advance. So I thought, you know, it's not Pac-Man, it's not Donkey Kong, but... It's adjacent to all of that. So when I met with them, they had an interesting proposal. They want to give away 10 codes to this game. Arcade Geddon, 10 codes. Now, you can get it on Steam, meaning the PC, PlayStation, or Xbox. And here is how you have to do it. You have to find my social media, Twitter, or X, whatever it's called, uh, at Seth underscore Everett. My DMs are open. You send me a DM and you say, Hall of Justice podcast, arcade. You could also then say, and probably what I would ask you afterward, is what platform? Is it PC, PlayStation, or Xbox? And we're going to do this 10 times. 
You can also do it on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Seth Everett underscore. Technically, we'll also do it on threads because that's connected to Instagram or my public Facebook page. So that's how we're going to do it. Arcade Geddon, all you have to do is, is send me a note, a private message, Hall of Justice podcast, Arcade. That's all you have to say. And the first 10 people I get, uh, I will send codes to. I only have 10 codes. I was going to say I only have 10 friends, but I hope there's more than 10 listeners on the show. Uh, the numbers show that there are. The first 10 messages I get, I will send codes to. Kenneth, it is an absolute thrill to have you on the podcast. I've been excited about this. I've been reading. I've been watching trailers. I watched some of your short films. Some of them are dirty as hell. They're great. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Good to be here. Uh, congratulations on Artists in Agony. Before we get into all your superhero stuff, let's talk about this. Artists in Agony, well, first of all, there's no shortage of action. And for somebody who worked as a visual effects artist, mm -hmm. I would imagine the visual effects of any movie that you're going to direct is very, mm -hmm. very important to you. How something looks is very, very important to you. Let, let's talk about, let's go almost in reverse. I want to hear how you got started in the business, but let's do this film first. What happened was, so uh, a buddy of mine was going through a breakup. He was coming out of an eight-year relationship. And so me and my wife wanted to console him. And so we were at the park and just trying to cheer him up. And then he turns to me and he says, hey, you know what, Ken? I would love to be in one of your film projects where I'm just kind of running after some bad guys and shooting at some bad guys. And I thought, and for some reason, and that turned out to be Scorpio in the movie and uh, the character of the assassin Scorpio. So I, uh, for some reason, when I am imagining my, my buddy Dave uh, shooting at bad guys, I kind of saw it handheld. I kind of saw it like a verite kind of style. And, and for some reason that, that image got good to me. And I realized like, wow, we could like shoot in people's cars and people's uh, uh, apartments and just kind of make a fun little action thing where it's about assassins. And I kind of had a bucket list wish of always wanting to do something like Spinal Tap, where it's like kind of improvised. And, it has, it and, uh, has that tone. It has Yeah, yeah, like that kind of like what we do in the shadows vibe where you can, the actors can kind of make up the dialogue. Uh, like I, I did have a structure in mind. So don't, it's not like they can go completely off the reservation and be like, oh, uh, uh, change the story. They, they could affect the story to a certain extent, but I kind of, I just love the idea of being able to uh, whisper in one actor's ear in a scene, okay, in this scene, try to get the job as, as hard as you can. And then go to, you know, say the boss in the scene and say, okay, no matter what they do, don't give them that job. And just see how they collide and, see and, what and what happens. Yeah, and, and just take the best parts because uh, I'm editing the show too, and I can take the best parts of that. So with that idea in mind, uh, I decided to just eh, give it a shot and just ask some of my favorite um, actors that I've kind of worked with through my short films and say, hey, uh, hey, Jason, um, would you mind doing a little experiment? I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be a short or what, but just, just a little scene experiment and just let me shoot you as a uh, doing an interview and talk about acting, but instead of acting, you're talking about being an assassin. And just for some reason, the results, I just, you know, were so hilarious to me because he's so blase about talking about being a hired killer. Something about that energy and the, and the way Jason was delivering it 
uh, I thought this might be something. I had, oh, this, this has the potential. And I did the same experiment with Ariadne, who ended up being uh, Lucian Mercy, another assassin character. And just the, the idea of, because he's building a fence at the time when I was doing the interview with Jason, he's building a fence for his, uh, for his family. And his son had, was, was not yet to be born yet, but was on the way. And I just, the nature of him talking about domestic stuff and being an assassin, just, uh, it, it just, it was like the chocolate and peanut butter thing. You know, it's just for some reason <laughs> that the, the contrapuntal nature of that was something I thought was funny and very satiric, some fodder for some good satire there. So uh, I crafted a kind of storyline just off of those things. So with my buddies break up and then uh, Jason, you know, kind of going with me on this experimental journey, uh, I I kind of called and carved together, cut together all the, the, the experimental interviews and I showed it to the actors and I said, hey, listen, I think we have something special here. I'm not sure if it's gonna be say a web series or a feature film or what, but I just, I think this is something fun and cool. Would you guys mind giving me a handful of more of these scenes and maybe create an arc uh, and kind of create a bigger uh, a, a piece of uh, a bigger piece, if you will. And they they foolishly said yes. Uh, and then, uh, but what happened was one scene was so good that it made me want to up the ante on another storyline. And and then that's when it became you know. And we're all doing this in our spare time, you know, like we have day jobs. So uh, it it became years. But what was fun is that the time gave us time to strategize and kind of just figure out the funniest scenarios. And so that's how the show came together. So when you, you know, it's funny, you've used different words when you're describing it. When you conceptualize the whole thing, you didn't know it was going to be a movie. I was I had it. You know, it's funny to be to be perfectly honest. I I, I was hoping it would be okay. uh, again. But you didn't I'm know not, if you'd have enough. That's the thing. Exactly. It's like I didn't know if the actors like could say the performances, nothing against them, but just that I didn't know if the concept along with the way the actors delivered the concept would have enough legs for a feature. But it turns out they were so exquisite that I couldn't resist turning it into a, a feature. And it was my, it was my honor and pleasure to, 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 to that they would, cause they kept giving me good performances. Then it was like, okay, yay. If I have enough of these scenes and if they don't hate me too much, uh, as we go along, I could create something that I could put my name on and call it a Kenneth Louie movie. So, so I'm glad we did this the way we did. So now you built up these relationships to be able to ask these favors, essentially. Yes. You know, it, exactly. But exactly. for them, but for them, you know, these are actors who are trying to make it also. They mm -hmm. want demo reels and sure. they know you know how to shoot. Sure. So, they're going to get something out of it too. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. You're using each other. Like you're getting mm -hmm. something, but, but your you, clips of this thing are going to show up in every one of their reels. Yeah. I'm not, I, I wouldn't say using, but just we're, we're friends. So we're just gifting each other. That's back a and gifting. Forth, you know? that, that's a better word, but it, but, it, but it's the <laughs> using, same, but it's the same concept, no, but, but yeah, it, literally yeah, totally. it's the same concept. Absolutely. And I was, I, you know, and if they needed, oh, can I have that scene where I did this thing or yeah. where I shot that guy or that, that 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 scene where I'm breaking up, like they could totally have that for their own purposes. Absolutely. So we had Kevin Smith on the podcast mm -hmm. and we asked, I remember talking to him about clerks 
And he didn't do that as at first. He put his friends in the movie, but he had to hire actors. You know, mm-hmm. because he wasn't he wasn't making an improv thing. He was making a film. He had to buy film and he you know, it's a different time. What you're doing is you made something and once you had this, you know, hard drive of footage, essentially, mm-hmm. then yes. you could see what you had. Right. 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 I can't I, now now that after talking to you now, I can't wait to see this. Because it was it, for me, honestly, like every time you embark on a new project, you're trying to plant a flag uh, for at least for yourself, you know, whether it be learning a new technique or working with a new actor or learning a new camera or learning a new just like you want it to be an opportunity to learn something new and to grow and per, and just make something that you haven't seen before. And so for me, I thought, well, I have these tenacious actors who are super talented. And I think we have a really interesting concept that, you know, where we can kind of, it's a big universe that we can kind of tell different stories in. So I, what I strove to do was something original and that kind of was of the quality that, that of the performances that I was getting. Cause the performances were just so natural and funny and, and good. So I just, I really wanted to, I took, when I saw the, what the actors were giving me, it, it I, I made it my, kind of uh, goal to honor and try to create the the best container for that performance, if that makes sense. It was released uh, just a, a short time ago. Uh, how can people find it? Uh, if somebody's listening to this podcast, they're saying, wow, this sounds like a lot of fun. How can they find it? It'll be streaming on Tubi. And also uh, we'll Tubi. also have, we'll have links on uh, artistsinagony.com. So uh, and we're, you could also find us on Instagram at Mental Pictures Productions. So we'll put all the news and a lot of and stuff. All those links will be final... in the show notes. All those links will be in the show notes. So if you're listening to this podcast, just uh, check out the show notes while you're listening to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, and you'll get all the links. But Tubi, and if you watch on Tubi, we've talked about this before, all the con TV shows that I hosted back in 2015, which led to the creation of the Hall of Justice podcast, are all on Tubi. So watch Artists in Agony and also watch con TV on Tubi. Tubi. See, I'm telling you, Tubi is good to watch your friends. That's that's what Tubi is good for. That should be their new marketing slogan. Ha. <laughs> you know how like DVDs used to have like special features? And yeah, of course. Extras. So a lot of stuff. We shot a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff we shot that I just was so, I thought was good, but just didn't make the final show. They, they're like DVD extras that live on our website, Artists in Agony. So, oh, nice. it, and, and there's a lot of little extra behind the scenes. Uh, like uh, we, we did it like a, where, where I interviewed the actors about the process and, you know, just how much they loved or hated or everything in between about the whole process. That's also uh, on our Instagram mental pictures productions. So uh, I will, I will say of all the streaming services, the best one for that is uh prime Amazon prime. If you watch a show, there's bonus features right underneath all the episodes on everything. I just watched, um, I just watched uh, Daisy Jones and the six. Mm-hmm. And we watched the making of everything all underneath Sweet. right there. It was very, very cool. Very, very, very uh, awesome. People often ask me, how do I keep motivated? And uh, 
how do I keep my spirits up? Well, things are, are moving forward instead of backwards. I think every neuroscientist in the world, if you lined them all up and asked them the same question, can the spinal cord be repaired, they'd say yes. That is the voice of Christopher Reeve. Whether this is your first time ever hearing the Hall of Justice or you've listened to over 300 of the episodes that we've put together since this podcast was created in 2015, the superhero genre owes a great deal to the role Christopher Reed played as Superman. Partnering with the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is an honor for the Hall of Justice podcast. In 1995... The accomplished actor was paralyzed after being thrown from a horse during an equestrian competition. After his accident, he lobbied for spinal injury research, and that led the man who once played Superman to the foundation that bears his name. Here's the origin story from the foundation's CEO, Maggie Goldberg. So when Christopher Reeve was injured in 1995, he was looking at all of the other organizations in the country and really around the world. Um, and there weren't that many that were searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury. And what he loved about our organization at the time, which was the American Paralysis Association, is that we were funding research. We, we Our mission and sort of theme was considered a laboratory without walls. We wanted to fund the best research no matter where it was in the world. And one of the other parts of the mission was bringing researchers together and to share information, which wasn't really something that was done at the time. Researchers you know, can be very competitive. They hold their information close to the best. So I think that's what really drew him um, most to this organization. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is dedicated to curing spinal cord injury by advancing innovative research and improving the quality of life for individuals and families impacted by paralysis. We are on the cusp of a new era in spinal cord injury, where real cures are within reach. The Reeve Foundation serves as a catalyst at this critical moment, uniting academics, scientists, and industry in a new model of collaboration. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is really the only national paralysis foundation focused on a dual mission. Today's care, tomorrow's cure. We are searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury, paralysis caused by spinal cord injury, but we also provide services and programs for people impacted by all types of mobility impairments. So when you think about paralysis, it's not just spinal cord injury, it's stroke, ALS, MS, um, in addition to spinal cord injury. And we're here to really help people navigate their journey through paralysis, whether or not they were diagnosed or impacted from you know, yesterday, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. This partnership is not the only tie Christopher Reeve has had with this podcast, even though it was created 11 years after his passing in 2004. In the 1970s at Juilliard, Christopher Reeve was good friends with Kevin Conroy. Little did they know then that while Christopher Reeve would be the embodiment of Superman, Kevin Conroy would be known as the voice of Batman. And Kevin was kind enough to come on this podcast during his illustrious career five times. Tragically, Dana Reeve passed away in 2006, and the foundation was renamed the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. I asked CEO Maggie Goldberg 
how listeners of the Hall of Justice podcast can participate and help the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. There are many ways to get involved. The easiest is to go to our website at ChristopherReeve.org. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle is at Reeve Foundation. Um, there, you could become an advocate. You can run a marathon and join Team Reeve. You can become a fundraiser. You can help us spread the word. You can become a volunteer. All of that is outlined at ChristopherReeve.org, and we invite you to become part of our family. In the weeks and months to come, we are going to organize some walks and some activities that can raise money for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. But for now, if you are hearing this for the first time, the fifth time, or the tenth time, go to ChristopherReeve.org. Get the newsletter and find resources in your area. I'd like to think that if we had this podcast in the time that Christopher Reeve was alive, he'd want to be a part of it. He'd want to be a part of the show, and he'd want us to spread the word about this foundation. Thanks to you, the listeners, we are going to do that. I think in order to accomplish something, somebody has to go out there and put out a vision that makes it seem more real, more tangible. Tell me how you started uh, getting into this business. What what were you studying? What did you want to be? And are you what you wanted to be? Wow, that's a great question. The short answer is, uh, I guess I am. <laughs> so I, oh, like I'm a child of the 80s. So I'm by myself a lot and raised by a single mom. I'm watching movies to escape and I'm watching James Cameron, I'm watching Ridley Scott. I'm just, I'm a big fan of universes. So that, I just fell in love with movies in general. So that's something I knew I wanted to do just from by the time I saw Star Wars when I was four years old. So I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm down. Uh, I want to do this. And then so uh, I did my own little short film that got me into college, uh, Art Center College of Design for film production. So then... That's where I embarked uh, on honing my skills. And that's a very rigorous program because they teach you the whole thing, top to bottom, how to shoot, how to do sound, how to design, do you know the, the philosophy of colors and, and what have you. So it's a, it was a wonderful education. And then once I got out of college with my film degree, I was interning at RSA, which is Ridley Scott's uh, commercial music video house. So oh, I was... I was there watching, you know, GoldenEye with uh, Tina Turner being edited, you know, just that music video. And oh my you know, God. I was like, oh, kid, we forgot the green screen. You mind? And I had a pickup truck, right? So I was like, oh, yes, right away. And I just, you know, I go back and I get the green screen, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, right? But it was wonderful because you, you know, being the intern, you get that's licensed for you to just be there. Like, sure. no one gets mad if you're just uh, standing around. And observing and absorbing. And also when you're like, you know, 19 years, when you're that, when you're young and then, you know, people just offer you, you know, how old are you kid? Oh, I'm, I'm young. Oh, well, let me tell you something about this business kid. And I remember just hearing advice from the electrician, from the grips, from the, from everybody. So that's awesome. That was a, that was, that was a good uh, kind of real world education there as well. And then um, 
then I just, I started writing scripts. I just, I thought, okay, uh, I, when I graduated Art Center College of Design, I had uh, a short film that I did that won some, got some festival attention where I put the big bad wolf on trial for uh, what he did to Red Riding Hood. And I made it this kind of fantasy film noir uh, kind of thing. And, um, but then after that, like I was just kind of just writing scripts and taking in meetings. And I just, uh, after a few years, I was just kind of frustrated that I wasn't really shooting anything. Like I was just like, I was waiting for uh, permission or something like, oh, like they'll read like, because the idea is like, what, they see my film, they read my scripts, and then someone's going to offer me like a film, right? And that's actually not the case at all. So I just kind of started shooting my own little um, short films as a kind of to stay sharp and to kind of uh, learn the craft because that at least, hey, if I want to be a filmmaker, you got to make films. So just start making films. Yeah. And this was right at the cusp of things going digital because when I was taught, we were right at the tail end of film. Like I literally learned editing on a on a on a flatbed, and sure. if I don't and a flatbed is where you have the film cores, literal film with, with a literal chopper that chopped film, yeah. physical film, and I half learned, where you. I learned audio uh, editing with a razor blade. I, oh, I so you know it, what I'm saying? Totally. Where you burn you burn your fingers on the that hot light in the yep. middle that shows you the screen and on the that little wax bit. paper and the yep, tape. The, yep. The, the little white uh, marker and all well, that. You oh, know. Yeah. oh, yeah, the wax pencils to, mm -hmm. to mark where your edit points are. Yeah. And then you're knocking on other students' you know doors and other... Just for uh, the record, days. there'd be no way to edit a podcast with that technology. Like, <laughs> no way, no. That'd be impossible to I do. Remember, I remember rummaging through the waste bins with all this like sound stuff, just looking for room tone. Oh, my gosh, my, you know, <laughs> can I just kill a couple feet of you room You were doing tone? video. I was only doing audio. You're right. So I get mad when I see, you know, kids now they can they get their assignments via, you know, uh, email and just cut at their laptops. And I'm like, man, oh, I hate it. <laughs> if well, I had that. No, they asked me to make video promos of these podcasts and it, it takes me a day. Uh, no, it's it's like it's I'll make a, a video thing. promo out of this and it'll take me a, a day. And we're talking about a four minute promo. And but yet I can edit a 45 minute audio podcast in an hour. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. it's just totally it, it's it's so weird. Video editing to me, anybody who can do like what you can do with effects and, and shooting and editing. I, I like I have such reverence for uh -huh. the, the craft. The the two jobs in entertainment that I have absolute reverence are video and editing. Like video editing, no offense, not audio editing, because that I know how to do. And stand-up comedy. Oh yes. Stand up wow. comedy. Uh, I had to once open for a comic. I had to mm -hmm. do like I had to MC. I had to open for a club. This guy got sick and I filled in and I opened for a club and I had to do five minutes, five minutes. Yeah, it was the hardest thing I could. I, I walked off the stage and I said, OK, I'm never doing that again. Like I couldn't do that every day. I couldn't. I'm always amazed. I'm amazed at I'm how amazed. people, how how some stand-ups handle like uh, hecklers, and they're so sharp and oh quick. Oh my god, it's amazing. That's amazing, amazing. Anyway, um, so oh, so back to my what? How I started in film. So yeah, I once I uh, started shooting my own short films, uh, then that actually one short film leads to another short film, and what happens is it's White not Wolf. Yes, my zombie film. <laughs> the Dark yeah. Kill. 
Yes. Then my yes. favorite one. This was the funniest trailer I've ever seen. Uh, the girl who couldn't come because of Johnny Cash. Well, she can only come because of Johnny Cash. Oh, all right. I said I said it backwards. That's right. That's right. Yes. Was that your so, idea? No, no, no. That's actually a short story. So my wife has a favorite uh, author uh, named Joey Camo, who is a bit of an independent is indie kind of writer. And he wrote a compendium of short stories. And one of those short stories was uh, The Girl Who Couldn't Come. And when she pitched, when she told, like, what are you reading there? Oh, it's The Girl Who Couldn't Come. And when I read it, I just thought it was hysterical. I was like, okay. <laughs> I, and so well, I, her I, facial expressions are hysterical. Oh, she's Kate, trying to who, tell this therapist and the therapist is going, what? what? Well, Kate, like the actress, Kate, who who plays the girl who couldn't come was pitch perfect. So I, I can't say enough good things about Kate. Uh, but yeah, so I, I thought it was original. I thought it was fresh. And I thought it was a great opportunity to uh, just play around with a new camera and work with Kate because I've always wanted to work with Kate. And and she was into the idea so just uh, and we just went from there. So you really kind of do these things to really you never know. I always uh, am like I'm never I'm, I always like to endeavor on something new and fresh because you never know. It always pays off dividends that I didn't expect. So in this case, it was one of my actresses for the feature because Kate became one of uh, oh. a big feature uh, in the in the uh, in Artisan Agony. So. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Uh, it all ties together. All right. Um, how did you get hired to work on any of the Marvel movies? Well, it's funny. Uh, so I was, you know, just kind of in my day job, I was teaching and uh, like I, I taught kindergarten. I was like a, I was a tutor and I was also teaching kindergarten. Come on. And uh, for real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I love teaching. I love whether I love teaching grown-ups or kids. I'm I'm also a writing teacher. So I really do enjoy the the art because the art of um trying to explain something to someone and watching them get it is just is a wonderful rush for me. It's just to to it's a nice challenge, you know. So I love teaching. you during COVID. You could have helped teach my kids math. That's funny. So uh and uh, probably and probably oh, funny though, math is not my strongest suit, but uh, I would have given it my best. Uh but um so I was kind of lamenting about <laughs> about teaching to a buddy of mine who was in the visual effects industry. And he just said, Look, Ken, you know what you should do is you should learn uh how to do visual effects. So then you have that in your, you know, in your quiver of arrows as a director your resume you know? yeah yeah just just to have it as uh, an extra app so to speak in your brain so and i thought to, you know i thought that's a that is a, i can't be i can't uh deny that i i was like you're not wrong that sounds that's true and a lot of my heroes also are very you know savvy with visual effects like james cameron and ridley scott so it's like okay so for sure so and it's a new age where you can kind of learn it on your desktop at that at that point. And so I had friends. Well, if you have who, the basic skills, I don't know if every person listening to this podcast can learn it, but you well, can. Well, I mean, I had my background in art. So it was just about kind of learning the trend, learning the the program, which is the kind of the vocabulary to, to do it and do it digitally 
on the screen, so to speak. So then uh, once uh, I was learning kind of the ins and outs, it was completely alien to me, but my buddy was tutoring me essentially on how to do the, the, the tutoring me on the philosophy of the layers and how different phases that a shot goes through to make something happen. And then I just practiced at home. And then I also had a friend of mine, uh, a college friend who let me hang around their visual effects house because they were a producer at a visual effects house. So I, I, I worked on movies for free, but just so I could have the practice. Uh, so I did some uncredited work on a lot of stuff here and there. Uh, so, and that's when uh, I decided to make a big jump and the, uh, the very first big show, I would say, I worked on some commercials professionally at that point, And then the big leap was Terminator Salvation. Mm. Uh, so that was the, that's the first 2009. Big... Yes, that's right. That's right. You're, um, you're older than you look. Oh yeah. Oh, you don't. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Wow. We're, okay. I thought, no, you when you say younger. hollow justice, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I was there for that. <laughs> I was there. We should put that in the promo. Um, yeah, so after Term Terminator Salvation, you worked on Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so what happens is, what did you do? You made it, a car transform into a robot. Well, I'm part of a team. It's not like I did it all by myself. So no, no, uh, I know. Not to bore people with details, but just no, I, I'm part of the team. And what happens is, uh, if you do really good work, then and you're not, you know, give you're you not shots, and you're not a jerk. No, because a lot of times, you know, you're working really hard. And so there's a lot of late hours. There's a lot of stress. But if you, you know, if you do good work and you're good under pressure and, you know, you're, you're you know, fun to be around and you get along with everybody, then they have you on for the next show. And so I just did my best. I did good work. And then just and we just got, you know, show after show. They They kept me as part of the team. And that's just how it happens. It wasn't like. I just did my best, I guess. You know, I just oh, did my great. best. It's and... great. You were, yeah. Fast forward a couple of years, uh, you were a digital effects artist on Captain America: The First Avenger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. like, we're not I... talking about the Marvel movies that are, you know, there's there's this big theme, and uh, this gets talked about a lot on the podcast, is that Marvel's mm -hmm. in a slump. That that Phase Four is not what the original uh, phases were. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when you look at the films that you worked on, we're not talking about, you know, Loki, where they're sitting in a train for a whole episode six feet apart, like it was filmed mm -hmm. during COVID. Um, <laughs> you're talking about Captain America, the first Avenger. So, you know, you're talking about some of the effects, like when, when listeners are hearing that and I'm hearing that, I'm mm -hmm. thinking of, you know, the scene where he gets the super strength when he gets the serum. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you know, he, he would some of the fight scenes with the red skull. Yes. I mean, yes, some of the, some of the great stuff. Well, because we're fans, we're all big fans of. You have to understand, like you know, I'm 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 from the '80s, and I remember just having all my Marvel comics, you know, and just dreaming of someday. Oh, it'd be great if they really gave the serious treatment to these comic book heroes that we love so much. Like how cool would it be if they did Thor, but did it like right, like did it with, you know, or, or Iron Man, but did it right, so to speak. And so I was, when I, you know, when you're in that, that you have the opportunity to work on these properties, we're fans, we're, these are fans working on it. So, you know, you, you bring your A game and you want to, you want to honor, you know, you want to do a good job, obviously, but you also like, oh, you know, 
you're looking at, you know, your, your, your dream, your dream, you know, oh, wow. I always wanted to see, you know, I always wanted to see this. And sometimes, you know, you even get spoilers like, oh gosh, I wish I, you know, you're working on the shot, but you're like, oh, I wish it would have been nice to watch this in the theater, but okay. You know, you're work, but you're professional. So. Well, it, when I got the on. email, when I, I'm not going to lie, when I got the email, you were, um, you worked on what I consider to be my favorite of all the Marvel cinematic universe. You worked on civil war. Oh yeah. Oh. Yes. That's and I, and it was one a, of them all. I know I that got... I know that Endgame is a close, close second, but uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. but but Civil War is is the movie. I mean that yeah. that's the movie for me for me at least. That's that because what they did in that movie that I thought was brilliant, mm-hmm. and ironically the same year, uh, Batman versus Superman you also worked on. Yes, I had in, a little piece at, of that. A but in civil but in Civil War, they fought for a real reason. Hmm. Like there, there was a real reason. Well, Captain America really thought what he was doing right, and Iron Man really thought what he was doing right. Whereas mm-hmm. Batman v Superman, they could have just shut the fuck up and talked. They right. would have just not realized they didn't have to fight like that. Like, well, no. Oh, what aggravates me is just like, yeah, say something, Superman, say something, say something. and it's just too say late. Bat- Batman's already too angry, Martha. and well, then they figure out that they both, their moms, both had this first name Martha. <sighs> you know. What what can you say? What, what what can you say that has been said already? But civil war, I mean, oh my god, that fight at the end. Uh, oh, my god. when Tony finds out that 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 Bucky killed the the his father. Oh my goodness! That's... I'm I I specifically had shots that I worked on from those sequences. That that's oh. what I'm talking about. Like, oh, it would have been nice to see this in the theater, but it's okay. I get to you know it. I get to work oh, sure. on a very the fact that I'm seeing this means that okay they trusted me enough to do a good job and that's what I'm talking about like sure. stuff like I, that I, as a I, fan I like as a as a as a big comic book fan you know you see these some of these shots and you're like oh that's kind of spoiled but okay but but it's a good thing too it means you know you're gonna do a good they want you to do a good job and you're gonna do a good job so we'll come back to superheroes in a second but did you did I see correctly that you worked on uh, a Tarantino movie The Hateful Eight yes. Okay. Yes. That's, that's, uh, I did. I had a, I had a little, I had a small, I was part of, again, not all by myself, but I was part of the team. No, 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 no. Of course and, not. Uh, none, none of it's by yourself. Right, right, right. No. So no, I, I was fortunate enough to be part of the team, uh, that worked on, uh, some of the effects in that show. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, no, I, and I was, I was really, I was really excited that I got to be a part of that. I was because I'm a big Tarantino fan. I went through a summer. I want to say two summers ago. It was during a lockdown where I found out that of the 10 Tarantino movies, eight of them were on three different streaming services. Uh huh. And so I did a, a once a week. I did a Tarantino movie and I mm-hmm. aside a night and I rewatched seven of them. Three I hadn't seen and I didn't realize okay. that I hadn't seen them. And okay. I rewatched and I did a summer of Tarantino. It was so rewarding. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And one what were the three that you didn't see. What were the ones that I didn't see? I hadn't seen the Kill Bills. Ooh, very nice. Yeah, I hadn't seen the Kill Bills. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And what's the one that's is the hate? No, the hateful eight's not the one in the Civil War. What's During the Civil War. 
You don't mean World War Two? You mean Inglorious Bastards? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Inglor- I hadn't seen Inglorious Bastards. Oh, that's a treat. That's a gem. Uh, yeah. And then I, uh, yeah, and it was this, the year that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out. Mm-hmm. And so ah. I started from the beginning and I watched the whole thing, re- you know, uh, Reservoir Dogs, and I started the whole Oh, you did it in order. Oh, like, yeah. I did the whole thing how in they order. Were... That's so a, much fun. That's, that's fascinating, too, because yeah. honestly, I'm a big like people ask me what my favorite is sometimes and i still kind of come back to reservoir dogs it's a toss-up between reservoir dogs and Django for me but mm, Django's I, great yeah oh there's Django... tarantino yeah i could do a whole episode we on could do what we could talk about we could just talk about tarantino the yeah. whole time <laughs> one the but the one thing that i'm thinking of doing in a future summer I, this summer it's too busy <laughs> too, too, not enough time uh mm. do a richard link letter uh, oh, um, where I do get all it, I, I would have to look up where you could find all of his movies and find, you know, the beginning and see which ones I'd have to buy or rent. You know what I mean? Like, it, and you, you do know, them in order, huh? You, you do, do them, them in like order. chronological yeah. order of when they were made. That's fascinating. Yep. It's a fun project. It was a, it, and you can Tarantino see how the one was a really fun project like that. Yeah. 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 You can, you can see how his voice, uh, how it changes or yep. how it doesn't change, so totally. to speak. Totally. Yeah, it's a, it, it was a really uh, neat project. The, the thing about now, I think, is there's so much content. Mm-hmm. There's yes. so much. And I know there's a writer strike, and I know there might be an actor strike, mm-hmm. and I know that it might slow down because the streaming services are changing their business models. But yes. right now, genre, superhero genre and not superhero genre uh, this summer, I have watched so much great stuff. I saw Beef. Yeah, yes. Oh my God. Beef is a masterpiece. Oh, my God. Beef is great. That show's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, I, my, my, it's very rare where my jaw is like, like, oh, like my jaw is dropped. <laughs> Just like watching something. I told you about Daisy Jones. I, I, I watched that. I watched uh, Russian Doll. Oh. That was amazing. I watched um there's there's so many great shows on it. And it's like some of them I have been out for a couple of years. I just I never saw them. You know? Mm-hmm. It's it's remarkable. I it's just the, the White Lotus was great, shrinking mm-hmm. is great. Um uh, Poker Face was amazing. What we do in the shadows, you referenced that. That's a yeah. great show. Yeah, so yeah. Good. Why I some shows are so good, I savor them. I don't binge. I, I go real slow. Because yeah. I when I know it's finite, oof, I go, I go, I I go slow. I went slow on Maisel. I went slow oh, Maisel. Like oh, I my God. just piece by piece because it's so good. You know what I mean? It's so good. I don't want it to end. So I just I just kind of sometimes I rewatch, you know, and well now it, I have to do an episode of this podcast just on Maisel because she's the new Lois Lane. Oh really? Yeah, that yeah, is they just cast her as uh, that is Lois so Lane. perfect, and she's gorgeous. So that's perfect. That's perfect. yeah. I just what I wonder though is, am I going to see Maisel or am I going to see Lois Lane? Oh, I'm she's a she's a great actress, uh, Rachel. I know, she's but I great. like, but I like, I like not knowing who Superman is, for example. Hmm. Oh. Okay. You know what I mean? Like okay. I don't know who the guy, the guy who is cast as Superman. I I I couldn't tell you who he is. Like, oh, like Google. he's an unknown. You mean? But yeah, he's an unknown. But with Lois Lane, like I knew who the, Rachel Brosnahan was before Maisel. But now, 
I see her and I see Miss Maisel. Oh, when I perfect. see her do an interview, I uh-huh. picture her saying Susie. Like oh, I, you can't. Oh, that's so funny. So you can't unsee the Maiselness of her. I cannot of her. unsee. There's a great you know, phrase. I you know cannot like, unsee the Maiselness. You know who's like that for me? I was just talking to my wife about this. Ray Fiennes, I can't unsee as a good guy, like as a bad guy. Because even <laughs> if he tries to be a good guy, it's he's he's just so good at being bad. If he's in James Bond and he's trying to be a good guy, it's like I I can't I can't it's no you're you're Voldemort you're the you're you're the guy who you're the bad guy in Schindler's List I can't unsee because or or the menu he's fantastic in the menu he does evil so exquisitely I can't unsee it so no you know I mean no offense to his talent or nothing he's 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 wonderful I'm just saying it's just it's tough because he did so those villainous roles so well. No, I totally get it. Uh, there's a uh, Kaylee Cuoco has a show based on a true story. It's great. Um, it's about a podcast. It's about a murder, and they want to do a podcast with the murderer, and it's it's, it's bonkers. It's so there's so much stuff out there. That's why I'm saying yeah. going back and watching old movies is hard because there's so many good things about it. There's another new movie out. It's called Artists in Agony: Hitmen at the Coda Tea House, and the uh, filmmaker is the great. Kenneth Louis. Kenneth, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast, man. Do me a so favor. So much fun to be here. Yes. Come back. Come back. Next time you have a new project, just tell me and come back and just be a regular on the show. Oh, my God. I would love that. That would be so, so wonderful. That would be dope as, that would be dope as hell. <laughs> <laughs> trying not to curse. I'm trying to be good. <laughs> You're trying. You're trying. Keep working on it. <laughs> Kenneth Louis, right here on the Hall of Justice podcast. Don't forget about the giveaway. Hey, don't forget about the giveaway. Arcade Geddon, 10 codes. All you have to do is hit me up on social media via direct message and say Hall of Justice podcast and the word arcade, and we will send you a code. If you're the first 10 people to get the code, then you'll get the game. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Kenneth Louis. It was great to have him on the podcast. See you next week.